It is good to be with you this morning, church, to worship with you and to keep learning and growing and diving into forgiveness. We are in uh, the third week of a five-week series on forgiveness. I've already had a lot of good conversations with you out in the atrium and bumping into people saying, wow, how awesome is it and how important is it for us as a people to continually revisit the reality of our forgiveness, how meaningful that is in our lives. Well, good. I'm glad we keep traveling. I'm loving this series. And today is a really uh, practical and helpful uh, application of forgiveness. What we're going to be looking at and doing specifically today, we're going to be taking the time and the energy to really begin looking at the why and the how of forgiving others. Last, Our first week, we talked about how God has forgiven us. Last week, we talked about how we go through the process of forgiving ourselves. This week, we talk about how we as a forgiven people now go forward and interact with others from a perspective and from a place of forgiveness. How do you forgive others? So that's what we're talking about today. And uh, whenever you talk about forgiveness, there is a presupposition, there is a, a, an acknowledgement beforehand that before you even have the need to, to, to forgive someone, you've actually already been in conflict. Is that fair to say, that there's been conflict going on? How many of you have ever experienced conflict at any point in time in your life? Yeah, right? So like every hand can go up because when you came kicking and screaming into this world, you're like, Mom, what gives? I was comfortable back in there. And you were in conflict, and you didn't even really know it, did you, right? I mean, conflict is like one of those things that every single day, as you go about life, you are going to have situations where you bump against people, you have different opinions, and you have differences, and, and conflict can arise. And when conflict arises, damage and hurt can be done between people and between parties. And so the question for us becomes, when you're in situations of conflict, how do you navigate beyond that? How do you navigate past that. And there's big conflict, right? I mean, there's, there's like big, serious conflict. You know what I'm talking about? When you're like in a serious, substantial conflict with someone. And then there's like small, no big deal conflict that just kind of happens as you go about your days, right? There's the big conflict. There's small conflict. There's intentional conflict. When someone inflicts intentional harm or intentional damage, when someone says something or does something knowing that it is going to cause harm to you, right? There's that intentional. Do you know there's even unintentional damage that can be done? There's unintentional conflict? Let me give you an example. Uh, I'm going to open up a whole lot of eyes right now to all of you ladies out there. You're about to get an insight into reality of what it means to be a guy, when you go and get a haircut, and you get two inches off and shaped, whatever that means, shaped, and you come home, and you stand in front of the TV, and you say, hello, dear, and what you're really asking for is, yeah, what was my hair look like? Don't, don't I look good, right? You're, how do you like it? And the guy sitting and watch TV, and he says, well, I was doing good until about two seconds ago. Now I can't see the game. It's not, it's not that the guy is intending to hurt your feelings. We can't see it. It's not that we don't love you, not that we don't care about you, but if it's less than six inches, I can't tell. I'm sorry. I've tried. 
And all of a sudden, I have found myself in unintentional conflict with my wife. I love her. I love her so very much. But when it's less than six inches and it's shaped, I can't tell. I can't see it. You get a buzz cut? I can see that. Right? And so sometimes I unintentionally will cause conflict or damage. I will hurt someone, and I don't even necessarily mean to do it. That's what part of being conflict happens. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small, sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's not. And there's different types of conflict. There's, right, there's verbal conflict, there's emotional conflict, there's physical conflict. I can remember a time in college when I was sitting with two buddies of mine. It was myself, and it was like 11 o'clock. It was a late breakfast. We were sitting there after a late night of playing video games. And we're sitting there. It's myself and Brian and Tyler. And Tyler take a, takes, takes a snide remark at Brian. Okay? We're all just having a... He just makes a snide remark at Brian. And Brian very casually puts his fork down and looks at him and says... I just imagine myself grabbing you by the head and the neck and smashing your head repeatedly into the table until either your head or the, or, or, or the table broke. We agreed in that moment that we were not going to play Mortal Kombat until 3 in the morning anymore. It was like done with that. We stopped playing from then on. We knew it sunk in too deep, right? But that there's like physical conflict that actually can be even provoked and, and come about. There are different types of conflict. And we are constantly in conflict. And so it becomes a question for us when you are in situations of conflict. How do we navigate forgiveness? Because you have inevitably been both a perpetrator as well as a victim at some point in time in your life. And when you are specifically a victim, when you have received hurt or pain, when you are the damaged party, you are given a choice. You have a clear choice and you only have two options. It's really all there is. You can either forgive someone who has done harm to you, You can let it go. You cannot hold on to. You can let go of the pain, the hurt. Instead of holding it against the person, you can let it go. And over time, the hurt will get smaller. The memory will get smaller. And eventually, when you forgive, the whole situation fades from your memory. And it's like it never happened. That's what forgiveness does. It takes a situation and it restores it to a place as if whatever damage or hurt or conflict never even took place. That's one of your choices, forgiveness. You have another choice, though, right? Holding a grudge, right? Yeah, totally. Holding a grudge. Taking that pain, taking that hurt taking the emotions related to it and holding on, instead of letting go, holding on to your anger, frustrations, and the pain. And eventually, you hold on to it. It's called the grudge because you don't hold on to it briefly. You hold on to it for a long time. In fact, you keep holding on to it longer and longer and longer. And eventually, when you look at that person, you see them through the lens of your grudge. 
You see them and interact with them based on that hurt and pain that you have held on to. And soon, if you don't let it go, if you don't, if you don't forgive, if you keep holding on to it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger so that every single time you look at that person, that's all you see. And it can even kill the relationship. You know, grudges are dangerous so much so that you can pass them on generationally. A grudge can go beyond you. Something that you started, have you ever inherited a grudge before? That happens. And it's because one person somewhere along the way made a definitive decision not to forgive, but instead to hold on to the grudge. You have a clear choice. You can either forgive or hold on to it. So it becomes a good question. Why should I forgive? You know, why should I forgive? This damage has been done to me. What is it? What, what, what should drive me to choose forgiveness? And we end up like weighing things up and thinking it through, right? I mean, we do. We, we sit down and we think it through with our emotions and the pain and the hurt. And we start to qualify and quantify things. We say things like this. Did they mean to? Because if they didn't mean to hurt me, I'm more likely to forgive. I'm, it's like a nudge towards forgiveness if they didn't mean to. But if they meant to, I'm moving towards a grudge, right? And we kind of weigh it up. How about this one? How bad was it? How much hurt did it incur? How big of a trespass or, or how big of a pain did I experience? Because if it's a really big pain, I am much more likely to hold on to it. If it's a small pain, it's no big deal, I'm much more likely to forgive. This is one that I, I confess to, I admit to. Uh, makeup, did they make it up? Have, have they done anything to reconcile? Have they done anything to, to, frankly, earn my forgiveness? Have they done anything to make it up for me, to try to compensate for the wrong action? Can I see in them any remorse? And, and if I do, I'm more likely to move towards forgiveness as opposed to holding on to the grudge. And so this is what we do. We weigh things up. Some things are worse than others. And so I can forgive that, but I can't forgive this. And as we think through why should we forgive, we essentially weigh up the crime over and against our willingness to forgive. Another way of saying it is like this. Morality, personal judgment, systems of belief, our standards of rationale and logic, the way we think and the way that we're wired, we look to these things to determine whether or not we choose to forgive. This all happens very quickly, typically, for most people. We've got a pattern down where we have learned to do this very quickly, whether or not we choose to forgive. And this is the way the world works, weighing these things up. This is how it goes, unless, unless you're a Christian. Christians, we're a bit weird. We're a bit oddball when it comes to forgiveness. We, don't, we go against the grain. We don't follow the trends. This is not actually how a Christian uh, operates. If, if, if you're a Christian, you have a different way of approaching forgiveness with others. If you're a Christian, you should know that we as Christians actually forfeit 
we give up willingly our choice on whether or not to forgive the moment we realize and accept our own forgiveness before God. You see, for Christians, if, if, if you choose to follow after Christ, forgiveness is not an option. As you interact with people, as you're in conflict, as they hurt you, if you choose to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, forgiveness is part of that life and part of that calling. And we give up that choice on whether or not to forgive. We forfeit that and choose instead to follow Christ. I've been struggling to figure out how to put this into words. This is more of a concept, okay? And eventually my words just aren't, aren't good enough to paint the picture. So we're going to turn to Scripture. We're going to Colossians 3. If you've got your Bible apps or if you've got a Bible, we'll go, you can check out the screens otherwise. Colossians 3, verse 13. This is what the Bible says. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, if someone's done something that deserves a complaint, if there's been damage done, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. I didn't hear a lot of wiggle room in that one, did you? Maybe you heard some, but I, I, I can't. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, just as God has come to you, and when you were in conflict with God, when you have done things, whether it be intentional or unintentional, to frustrate anger and, and hurt God, God came to you, and he chose to forgive you. He chose not to hold on to the grudge, but instead, God looks at you and says, I love you, and I choose to forgive you. Now go and, and live and do likewise. Just as I, as God, have come to you and I choose to let go and forgive, so you also must forgive. Circle, underline, highlight the word must. What does the word must mean? Like must. You got to do it. It's part of the gig. If you choose to follow in the footsteps of Christ, Part of that calling as a Christian is to give up your right to deny forgiveness and instead always, always, always we pursue and must forgive others. That is part of what it means to be a Christian. Ephesians 4 says it like this, another verse from the Bible. Be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Why should you forgive one another? Well, God in Christ has forgiven you. We as Christians give up our right to forgive because we recognize and understand God has first forgiven us. So when you find yourself posited with this question, if you're a Christian and you follow Jesus, why should I forgive someone? It's because we can identify, we can associate with someone else's need for forgiveness 
because we have needed forgiveness before God. And we can even associate and identify and understand someone's reception, the importance of receiving forgiveness, because we ourselves have received forgiveness from our Heavenly Father. Therefore, ergo, we as Christians forfeit our right to forgive others, to deny forgiveness, excuse me, and always choose to forgive others. This is part of what it means to be a Christian. If you're new to Christianity, if you're checking out this whole Christian thing and, and uh, just kind of looking into it, um, this is, you should just know up front, this is part of what it means. Let's get into how, okay? Because it's really nice and easy to say, Pastor, I know I should forgive, but how do I forgive? I know as a Christian that I, I should want to forgive this person, but I don't really want to forgive this person right now. How do I do that? What do I do? I've got some practical simple um, steps and processes that can cultivate in you the practice of forgiveness. So how do you forgive someone is a really good question. You'll note that when you ask this question, I've got a little asterisk up there, how. It's because when you ask the question of how to forgive others, you should know that you've probably been in a conflictual situation And when you are in a conflictual situation and you need to extend forgiveness to somebody, it's a lot easier and it goes a lot better when you yourself have done nothing in that situation to need forgiveness yourself. Who would have thought? Another way of saying it is like this. When in conflict, don't add to the damage by reacting poorly. When you're in a conflict with someone, exhibit self-control, otherwise you will be seeking forgiveness, hopefully just as they are seeking your forgiveness. When you exhibit self-control, you can hold on to and resist the temptation to throw comments, to throw, uh, right, to react in the moment and throw nasty things back at someone. Uh, Self-control is learned. It is practiced. You won't get it right the first time. Stick at it. It gets easier over time to exhibit self-control. I had lunch with someone actually just, what, last week, Friday or something? Uh, two weeks ago, Friday. And we were talking, and he was, I was asking about what God was doing in his life, and he shared with me that he's really grown in his ability to have self-control because it used to be that when his wife or when his business partner would come at him, and he'd, they would just chew on him, right? they just chew on him, and they'd be in conflict, and he has learned to cultivate self-control and not say anything. He just knows that he's just not going to respond. He's verbally not going to open his mouth. He has learned self-control and to put things into perspective so that he doesn't add to the damage that they are doing by doing damage to themselves. It then opens the doorway for him to have reconciliation and forgiveness later. So if you are, are in need of growing in this, uh, please do. Make it a practice. Make it a habit. A simple thing. Don't open your mouths. When you're in conflict with somebody, keep them shut. Don't say anything. And just let it happen. Walk away. Okay? Simple, practical, easy. All right. Let's say you've been in conflict with somebody, and now you need to forgive them. How do you do that? You've, you've been hurt. How do you do that? First thing you need to do, before you even meet with that person, before you even talk to that person, you need to take the time to define in yourself the hurt. Name what hurts. 
Don't just say, I'm mad. Say why you're mad. Get specific. I was hurt because you said this. This is what they said to me. I was hurt because I feel betrayed. This is why. Get specific. Drill down. Name the hurt. So that when you go and you talk to them, you're not talking in generalities. You can be specific and they will hear you and understand what you're talking about. First thing, before you meet them, name what hurts. Second thing, work through your initial emotions. Don't do the knee-jerk reaction. Take time. I had lunch with another gentleman a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about how he said to me, it was a great moment, just an awesome moment. He said to me, I know I need to forgive this person. I'm just not ready yet. And I looked at him, and I said, great. That's okay. Kind of looked at me like, what? I said, that's okay. You have permission to take the time to work through your own emotions and, and process through. Yet God himself does this. God gets angry, and he takes the time. He does a quick, quick fix solution, and then he does a long-term investiture where he works towards forgiveness. God works. I mean, how long did it take before Jesus Christ came into the world? That's a long process of towards forgiveness, is it not? In the same way, you have permission to take space and time that you need to work towards and move you to a place of forgiveness. Now, there's a caveat on that. You need to work towards forgiveness. You don't just say, for infinity, I'm going to be working towards forgiveness. No, 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 no. You need to move to a place where you can set up a time, have a meeting with that person. It's okay to take time, but you want to have a concrete moment of reconciliation. Okay, here's another thing you want to do before you meet. You want to recognize your own brokenness, examine how you might have contributed in the moment to the situation. Did you egg them on? Did you, did you invite the conflict? You might not even be aware. Again, sometimes we do things unintentionally. You might not even be aware how you yourself had contributed to the situation. And so they might have been having a really bad week, and you just said the wrong thing unintentionally, and it just sparked something big, right? You've got to recognize how have you contributed to that situation. And even if you are like walking down the street, minding your own business, and somebody runs up to you and wails on you, and you had like no contribution to the situation, you need to recognize and remember, you need to identify the reality that you too are broken, and you have been a perpetrator, maybe not in this situation, but in situations past. And so you need to recognize and own up, we are all broken, we all struggle with this. That will put your heart in the right place before you talk to them. Okay? All right, that's the prep work. All right, let's get into the how. How to actually, actually, tangibly, physically forgive somebody. Uh, I'm going to give you the act of forgiveness. It's going to sound awkward, what I'm going to suggest to you. But guess what? Being awkward is worth saving the relationship. Okay? What I'm going to suggest to you, these four simple things, you're going to be like, that's weird. I know because I do this in premarital, because that man, those first six months of marriage can be a lot of conflict, right? And I'm always telling them, you got to do these things. And they always look at me like, you nuts. And I get to say to them, look, this might sound awkward, but being awkward can help save the relationship. Here you go. Here's four simple things. One, plan it. Choose a definite, 
definitive moment and or time. If there is a significant conflict, a significant issue that you need to address with somebody and extend forgiveness over, don't catch them off guards. Plan it. Plan a time. Put a sticky note on the mirror saying, Honey, I love you. I need to talk about last night. I'm at the kitchen table whenever you're ready to have breakfast. And you go and you sit your butt at the kitchen table. You call up your friend. You say, hey, I need to talk to you about the other night. When are you free this week so that I can take you out for a beer or have lunch at work? When can we get together so we can talk about it? You need to plan a definitive time and not blindside them. Because that gives them the time to work through their own emotions and prepare for it. Plan it. Second thing, write it down. If you're having trouble with your words, this is one of the most practical, simple, easy things to do, and it's so worth it, and we never do it. Take a scratch piece of paper and write out what you want to say. Take the time to actually physically write out what you want to express. Use I feel statements. I had to learn how to use I feel statements. My wife, who's a therapist, taught me when we first were dating, I had two emotions, two feelings, mad and angry. That was it. I feel mad. Well, how do you feel? I feel angry. I feel more mad because you keep asking me about my feelings, you know? And I actually had to go to the computer, and I remember this. I printed off a list. I had to Google search, list of feelings. And I printed it off. And I just realized, guys, I don't know if you know this, there's a whole bunch of feelings in the world. The women are like, yeah. There's a whole bunch. Expand your language. Get to know what you want to say. And then write it down. Bring it with you when you meet that person. Uh, Get physical. Here's a quick one for you. Um, Get physical. There's something healing about touch. Um, So, you know, if you're sitting on the couch, rubber feet. If you're, you're hanging out across the kitchen table, here's the best one you can do, I, th- I think. If this is truly a significant thing of forgiveness, this is really where we're dealing with heavy stuff, like seriously heavy stuff, uh, put your hands out, sit across from each other, put your hands out, and hold hands. You can do this with a kid, you can do this with a spouse, you can do this with a brother, you can do this with anybody. Hold hands. And when you start getting nervous and sweaty, do this, okay? Don't let go. Don't let go. Because there's something about a tangible connection that heals us and leads us into deeper forgiveness. Get physical, hold hands. Last one, say the words. Uh, if it is truly a significant thing, you need to definitively say, I forgive you. Some, some of us, I need to hear these words. Me and my wife have talked about this. Some of us express forgiveness differently. You might say, like, I love you and think that that counts as forgiveness. For some people, it's true. They hear that, and they understand they're forgiven. For others of us, not the case. I always encourage people to actually use the words um, because there's something about you proclaiming the words that is healing not only for them but also for you. Sometimes they will look at you, and they don't think they need forgiveness. I want you to remember this line. If they don't think they need forgiveness, this is what you say. I need to say this even if you don't think you need it. I forgive you. I need to say this even if you don't think you need it. I need to say this even if you don't think you need this. I forgive you. 
and you speak a declarative word, declared word of forgiveness. There is something powerful in spoken words of forgiveness. This is what God does to us every week. And so if you're a Christian, you know the power of forgiveness. Because every week, when you, te- when you come to the table, God says to you again in a physical element, he says, I forgive you, I love you, I make you mine, I have plans for you, and I let go of all of the past, all of that pain and hurt that you've caused, all, intentional, unintentional, I forgive you. And I make you mine. That's what God declares to us. We now go and declare it to others. Because God forgave us, we now get to forgive. Let me pray and invite the Spirit to empower you in that and lead you in that. Let's pray together to close. Heavenly Father, too often we do fall short. We make mistakes. We are engaged in conflict. Sometimes we are victims and sometimes we are perpetrators. Regardless, we are sorry. We ask for your forgiveness and know that it is indeed there. Every week, every day, every moment, you speak and proclaim, I forgive you to us. Thank you. Embolden us and empower us to practice the same forgiveness you extend to us, to others. Lead us not only in why we forgive, but also in how to forgive. That when others experience our forgiveness, they might be led into your forgiveness. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.